recently in one of our faith formation classes at one of the parishes with the teens, uh, the discussion came up about abortion. And uh, the teacher was pretty mystified because really they all said, well, of course we'd have one. It may be something wrong for older people, but not for us, not for us. And as I heard that story from that catechist, I thought, what kind of homes do these kids come from anyway? How are they formed to be so resolute in that topic? It was amazing. And then I got thinking about it, and I thought, well, I suppose it shouldn't be surprising because we excuse them from church because of uh, sports and and. 4-H and FFA and showing animals at the state fair and and uh, so how can they know about their faith about how do we make our faith something that goes into how we live our everyday lives uh, if we are always giving people an excuse or one mother said to one of our staff members well I don't like my daughter to come to church because she if she comes to church sometimes she feels bad about herself and she's really a good person and if I, that mother had said that to me, I said, well, maybe she has a conscience that's telling her that maybe she should be feeling bad about some things. So I have to admit I was wrong. I was wrong because I don't preach about abortion very often because in church I think we're saving the saved, but maybe not. In fact, a lot of those, most of those kids who come, they may come to faith formation, but they or their families don't come to church. And so how do you get formed in the faith if you never hear about it? So we've looked at uh, life during this month of October. We started with looking at this idea about the consistent ethic of life, that they really kind of are all connected. And then we looked at violence in our lives, how we talk to each other, how we act with each other, how that permeates a lot of, of, of what's going on. And so we've looked at this from, from a lot of different ways. And... Uh, Last week it was about inclusivity and about the church needs to be open and active and receiving of all people, huh? And so, what about this topic? What about abortion? Well, I, I did my homework and did some research on this, not from any political party, but I went to government statistics. And one of the things that is abundantly clear if you do your research is that abortion has been in a steady decline for 30 years, since about 1970s, middle, middle 1970s at least. In a steady decline, and it declined in double digits during the administrations where there were more social programs that took care of the poor and the low-income people so that they didn't have to look at that as an option. Now, those are the facts. The statistics on this don't lie. And it's interesting, though, that it happened for about 30, almost 31 years, and then in the past administration, it reversed for the first time and went up 8%. And in this administration, that continues. So you figure this out. You figure this out. For 30 years, it was going down, past to administration, going a different direction. So the increase is always dramatic among the poor and those who are low income. And one of the things that we see about that is that um, there are less pregnancies but more abortions. 
So one might interpret that, at least in one way, is that there are people being more selfish about their lives. Now, if you want to take a look at these things yourselves, in the bulletin this week is a link to this. It's the Guttmacher Institute. Guttmacher Institute is very pro-abortion. They were the ones that were concerned about this 31-year decline. So you read the stuff yourself so that you can educate yourself. So what do we do about this? Well, this is, this is what I've been thinking, and I share this with you, not from anybody's website or anything else. This is kind of what I've been thinking about. I think there's a difference between being pro-birth and pro-life. Pro-birth and pro-life. I think that we are largely pro-birth people. I mean, who can argue with a squishy little baby? Who could want to take that life? Okay, we're largely pro-birth, except maybe a growing number of teenagers who think this is okay, although it's not just teens. But I might also add that we're very pro-birth for babies that are white, who look like us, who are legal, who will come from two-parent homes, who are perfectly in physical and mental capabilities. I heard a a talk two weeks ago in person, and one of the things that the person shared was Iceland now is very proud of the fact that there are no Down syndrome babies in Iceland. Do you want to know why? They're all aborted. So that's one problem they don't have to deal with, if you think it's a problem. But you see, the consistent ethic of life, and this is the only leg really that we can stand, is that all life is sacred no matter what no matter who, from, we say, conception to natural death, all life, a natural death. So in that sense, it's hard to pick and choose. We can't say, well, sacred, 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 but not this one. And I think that as we take a look at that, that pro-birth really doesn't cost most people anything. It's a nice concept. They don't have to do anything about it. Well, of course, I'm pro-birth. It's kind of like saying, well, of course I'm Catholic. I never go to church. I never support the mission of the church. I never am active, but of course I'm Catholic. No, really not. It doesn't cost you anything. No sacrifice, no cost to my time, and certainly not to my resources. But I think that if we really look at pro-life in that consistent ethic of life way of looking at it, when one life is in danger, they're all in danger. Not just in my own little circle. And life is most in danger among the poor and those who are low income, most in danger there. And the thing is, is that laws are never going to solve our moral problems. Last I knew, murder has been against the law for centuries. But read the paper, it happens all the time. So why do you think that a law about abortion is going to stop things? I'm not saying it shouldn't happen but we have to start someplace else. We need to start with the conditions that help with that. Yes, it needs to start with the babies, I get that, but maybe we need to start with the moms and the dads who sometimes need to be a little bit more responsible. But to say, what are the, what are the economic and social conditions that we can do something about that can help this before it gets too far out of hand? It means that not just getting the little baby born but it means that after it's born, 
it can get fed. In the United States, one out of nine children is what they call food insecure. In the old days, we said they were hungry. Now we say it's food insecure. That means over five million children in the United States do not have enough to eat, just in this country. Five million kids. Not just eating. They need to have a safe place to live. They need access to health care. They need good education if they're going to ever make anything out of themselves. They need all those things. That is being pro-life. Pro-life is messy. It's not black and white. It's not either or, huh? Yes, I agree that we've got to start someplace, but it, takes, it costs us. It costs us our time, costs us our energy, costs us our votes, costs us money. But we're either pro-life or we're not. And so pro-birth or pro-life, I think that's something we need to, to reflect on because one is very safe. One's pretty black and white, and for most people, unless it happens in their own family, they don't really need to worry about it. In Matthew's gospel that I just proclaimed here a little bit ago, we hear this, is it lawful to pay tax to Caesar or not? And Jesus says, give to the government what's the government's and, and give to God what's God's. And the thing about this is life is God's. Period. As I said two weeks ago in my homily, we will never look in the eye of someone that God loves less than us. Ever. Life is life. God is God. And so that life is sacred, and we are called to protect, it, to, to protect it in all the ways, on all fronts. That means the five-month-old baby that I buried last Friday. It means the 21-year-old who I buried on Thursday who took his own life. It means the little baby that I baptized in Ocator last night who had fat cheeks and wouldn't stop singing. This is Mental Health Awareness Month and Suicide Prevention Month. Those are pro-life issues. Friday after I finished Mass and did some stuff at the office up there, I went downtown to do a couple things, and I ran into Pastor Margaret Yackel-Juline. She's from the ELCA, Lutheran Churches up there, and she introduced me to a family that's visiting a couple from Palestine. Now, if you don't know the significance of that, then you need to pay attention to the news. And so uh, they are, their couple is Catholic, they're Melkite, right? We'll talk about that some other time, but, it's, but they're, they're Catholics. And I said, oh, we've been praying for you in our prayers. And he said, yes, Catholics are great at that, but we need food. We need water. And they don't know how they're going to get home because, of course, the airport in Palestine is closed because of the war. Those are pro-life issues. You can't say, well, I'm going to just think about this and not bother about anything else. All life. The Israeli, the Palestinian, the immigrant, the baby. All called by name. And God is present in each and every one. So as we continue in this uh, uh, October Respect Life Month, let's not be too narrow, but let's reflect in our heart, where am I at with those things and how do I need to continue to grow and maybe educate myself in those? Uh, not to be myopic and narrow in my focus like those, uh, like those teens in the faith formation class. And if you got kids, 
for God's sake, talk to him.